passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock and John Cena. When it's the two of us, you know that means TNA wrestling, hard to kill. Hello, John. I'm good. How are you doing today, John, on this uh, TNA? This is a holiday here, the return of TNA. That is it. Yes, it's their annual, uh, well, they their annual memory that you cannot kill this company. And now, well, Impact in the rearview mirror, TNA. Back at the forefront, we're going to be getting into everything that is going on uh, regarding TNA. A bunch of news coming out of tonight's show, but this is one of the busier weeks, um, or at least I should say weekends, um, that hopefully we're not going to be getting a crazy amount of these this year, but we'll probably get plenty as we have just completed Hard to Kill. We have just ended Collision and Battle of the Belts, and now uh, Battle in the Valley is in progress as we speak. So what what is your game plan, John? What are you going to be tackling over the next uh, 24 hours? Um, I mean, from what I've seen so far, I definitely want to check out uh, Battle in the Valley. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that's that only watched TNA tonight. I might want to uh, stay away from spoilers, but definitely something of note happened on this New Japan show that I want to check out. Uh, AW, of course, I'm going to check out Collision as always, but a lot of stuff happened. There's a GCW show tonight where Joey Janela is fighting Microman. Uh, NWA is taping their CW shows tonight, so there's a lot happening in wrestling. But uh, yeah, most likely New Japan and then uh, AW possibly save it for the for tomorrow. So we're going to be jumping into TNA's Hard to Kill, and this was an interesting lead up, John, because the last time we were here, we were talking just moments after the reveal of this rebranding that was going to be coming in the new year after Bound for Glory. But since that time, uh, in over two months, I mean, the television has largely been best ofs, recaps. They had some of when they went overseas for the European tour. This has not been traditional, like first run television that they've been building up. That said, I don't know if they would have had that much more buzz than they did for this one. It seemed like the, the idea of TNA came coming back either had your interest or it didn't. And I don't know how much the television made a difference for, for people because it seemed like this probably was on the, the higher end of interest for a TNA show in some time. Even me, who I still like went back and watched these like best of shows to make sure like I'm not missing anything. I even felt like I missed something because I start this show and there's like a new stable that was formed. I'm like, wait a minute. What was the stable formed? Like I saw like breadcrumbs, but like they didn't really form on television as far as I saw. And then like this buildup, like, yeah, I understand like you have Jordan Grace and Moose like cashing in their call your shots to get these title shots, but there really hasn't been too much build. I feel like well, most- both those shots. I mean, we went off the pay-per-view knowing that they were cashing them in. So, I mean, that, that wasn't even something that you had to tune in or follow follow along like we kind of knew what the the two title challengers were were going to be doing for the show 
the last five minutes of this past um, TNA show was like a hard to kill preview, but like they really hit you over the head. The story of like when you remember a couple years ago when Moose like pretended to be the TNA champion and he carried around like the old title, like he was a champion. They actually like use that a lot going into this as if like he is actually trying to win the title that he pretended to win years ago. He's actually going for it now. So I feel like that was like a lot of the story going into this main event. All right. Well, we're going to jump into TNA Hard to Kill. And I am curious because, John, you were uh, one of the early subscribers to TNA Plus, which is their new streaming service that they're working on in conjunction with Endeavor Streaming. So the way that this is set up is that in order to see the pre-show matches, they are exclusively on TNA Plus. So you you not only need to have an account, you have to be like a a paying subscriber to get the pre-show matches that are designed to be luring in last-minute uh, viewers to maybe buy the pay-per-view. This seems a little kind of counterproductive to what these pre-show matches probably were initially set up. Like, this might as well just be part of the pay-per-view at, at this point. I mean, what is it... Uh, like, you have to pretty much pay to see the pre-show matches, correct? Yeah, even, like, the WWE PLEs have, like, free shows that you can watch on YouTube or Peacock. And, like, yeah, I was trying to figure out, like, going into this, I'm like, because uh, Trailer TV or, you know, the former fight had it up at 7.30, but then they were promoting it for 7 o'clock, and I kept hearing the verbiage exclusively on TNA+. And I'm like, is this a new thing that they're trying here? And, yeah, you actually had to go, and I had to pay a monthly subscription, the $9.99. But you know what? I kind of wanted to try it out anyway since they switched over, and I actually like the interface. It really reminds me of Peacock. Um, it's a lot really – it's a really smooth – the search engine is really smooth. I feel like they don't have as much as they had when they had Impact+. Plus. So I think they're still in the, the midst of transferring everything over because I wasn't able to find some of the older shows but um for the experience that i had watching the the hour pre-show so i guess that's the uh the make good is like we're gonna extend it from 7 30 to 7 um and you know but you're gonna have to pay for it unfortunately but then like i tuned in on trailer to see what they were airing at 7 30 and it was like something totally different it was like a it was just show. like a 30 minute produced uh special on like the pay-per-view itself but none of the matches nothing inside of the arena for for trailer but that's interesting because you were also noting the fact that it seems like these, what used to be the Impact Plus specials, they're not advertised on Triller TV, and no. these might be exclusives on TNA Plus. So obviously, they, they wanted to concentrate everybody to one specific place to spend money on the app, and that will probably get our four regular pay-per-views per year, and then the monthly specials, those you will need to get the app, and you will need to sign up for this thing. Right, because in the past, the like lower end pay per views would be Impact Plus. They would be labeled as Impact Plus exclusives, but you could still purchase them for like a low price through Fight. But now with the pre show being taken off of there, it's making me really think that yeah, like starting with No Surrender at the end of uh, February, it should be an interesting uh, question if they're going to stay exclusive to TNA Plus, and that might be you know, a good way to get subscribers to stay on if that's the only way to watch these shows now. So the show tonight, um, they were constantly mentioning that this was the largest attendance at a TNA show in eight years. And the last number from WrestleTix was 1,582 tickets distributed. This is at the Palms Casino Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada, a, a venue that, I mean, the UFC has run tons of shows from, but not, not too often that you see pro wrestling coming out, uh, from, from this venue in, in particular. But how would you say just tuning in? I mean, sometimes we have talked about the, the TNA and like the atmosphere that has, sometimes been a detriment to some of these shows how would you just assess overall like changes to to the production the product anything that struck you different because i imagine there were a lot of fresh eyes tuning in for this show to sort of see like what what is tna up to and and trying to keep those people too 
So the major differences I saw was obviously the return of the tunnels. They did bring those back from the, uh, the TNA days. Um, the only real, like, major change I would say would be like Dave Penzer. I know that he had announced, I guess his retirement that he got replaced by Jade Chung. And unfortunately that was something that was noticeable because there were a couple of spots where Jade just seemed a little nervous. Um, just kind of doing the introductions and whatnot. Obviously it's her, her, it's her first like live show, um, at least on a, on this major presence here. So that was like a, a thing that I did notice, but as far as like the overall presentation of the show, there really wasn't too much difference. I mean, the way they shot it, they did show like some fans, like in the upper stands, which is something that like, I think TNA has had, even when they came down, here to white plains we had like upper bleachers and they didn't have anybody seated there so the first time that i remember in a while they actually showed fans like in the upper stands but like from a like an overall presentation i was expecting more like they still have the yellow ropes it's still the same they have the tna logo in the middle you still have like your sponsor being like you know plastered all over the place so i expected more of a change and unfortunately i we didn't really get that yeah i would say if you are someone that's been watching impact and you enjoy impact pretty seamless i would say if you were someone that was expecting big sweeping differences and maybe the old impact product, and by old, I mean just pre tonight, if that wasn't something that was in your regular viewing, I don't think the show is going to change your mind about that. It's the same product. It's some cosmetic changes, but ultimately like a branding is not going to change the fortunes of this company. It's going to be the product itself. And it's going to be a lot, a lot of the, the ability to just, get this out there to more people because we see the limitations of access TV and, and sort of the the level at which they're, they're operating at. But it was very clear to see a lot of sponsors all over this show. Um, they were promoting this movie, the mummy murders uh, throughout that even uh, got to sponsor the knockouts tag title match. But I mean, we had breaks between matches where they were going to uh, various like Las Vegas uh, foundations and like lots of sponsorship, uh, in this that you would assume meant meant some revenue for the company that um, was definitely a departure from past shows. Yeah, for sure. So let's get into the pre-show, the very exclusive TNA plus pre-show. We start off with Rich Swan and Steve Macklin and uh, out comes Rich Swan with his tribute to flash funk with the outfit here. And he hits a pair of cannonballs. Macklin then takes over, hits a tower of London. And then Swan comes back with a 450 off the second turnbuckle. And then, uh, Macklin, um, Tom Phillips notes that last year at Under Siege, Steve Macklin and PCO, who just had this war and Macklin was just bleeding an incredible amount. And somehow Tom Phillips made this sound like the, the lamest thing by calling it one of the most socially and digitally impactful moments last year. Yeah. I, I don't know if I feel the same way there, Tom. Can you imagine sorry. if McFoley was, uh, being thrown off the hell in a cell today. What a socially and digitally impactful moment for Mick Foley. Uh, but end, ends up with a caught in the crosshairs and the KIA by Macklin in 10 minutes and 22 seconds gets the win over Rich Swan. Fine opener, I guess. It was just, uh, kind of warmed up, warmed up the crowd. Rich Swan, uh, invested in a flash funk costume and that, that was about it. Yeah, if you turn into this show and like you're, you know, giving TNA a chance and somebody told you, hey, this guy in the pre-show was the world champion just like within the last year, <laughs> I don't think I would believe you. It's like, it, it's kind of a tough spot for him to be in like the opener of a pre-show of, a, of the comeback pay-per-view. But, um, you know, nice little showing here from Mac and kind of reminded people he had a little segment later on that we'll talk about where it looks like they might be building to something with him in the future. But, um, yeah, I was kind of confused with the, the Rich Swan Flash Funk, uh, connection. I'm not sure, maybe just big fan of a uh, Flash Funk, I guess, but yeah, he was wearing, he was rocking the, the suit and everything. Why not? Gia Miller interviews Moose, Eddie and Alicia Edwards, Brian Myers, and 
D'Angelo Williams. And I, dude, I did like a double take. I'm like, D'Angelo Williams. This is for those that maybe were not exactly on board with uh, Impact Wrestling in 2017 and can't blame you during that, that era. Uh, D'Angelo Williams came in and this guy had one of like the greatest debut matches in history, teaming with Moose. Uh, I think it was against, uh, Chris Adonis and, uh, Eli Drake. And he was just incredible and apparent. And then it just became the legend of this guy, former NFL player. He got like a week of training at like the Can-Am dojo with like Scott Demore. And he came in and he looked unbelievable and then just walked away from professional wrestling, like never continued it. This was back in 2017. I think he flirted with coming back, but never did. And then all of a sudden here on the pre-show is D'Angelo Williams, who just if this if you were watching Impact at the time, it was just always this unicorn. Like the the night D'Angelo Williams came in and looked like the most incredible prospect you've ever seen. And somehow they've convinced him all these years later to come in. And he's and we're introduced to the system, which I had the same reaction as you, John, if somehow I missed something over the last few weeks. Yeah, we have all this is the whole top faction and would be kind of the basis of the pay-per-view. Hey, when Scott Demore said you'll never know who will show up, did anybody think former NFL running back D'Angelo Williams would show up? And yeah, he's part of this new faction. Maybe, maybe, maybe he told Scott, listen, if you want me to come back, you need to change the name of the company to TNA. That's the only way I'll come back. And Scott's like, you know what? Give me a couple years. Let's wait till this pandemic is over. And, and, and I trust you. And uh, yeah, it looks like he's here to stay. You would think so with the, with the closing segment. He's, you know, he got involved in one of the matches. So hopefully we can see him back in the ring. Of the new faces that we saw on this show a year from now, D'Angelo Williams could be the the low key uh, true game changer that they they ended up getting here. We'll we'll see how he looks. I mean, we haven't seen him wrestle now in uh, over six and a half years, so yeah. let's let's see. But uh, very very interesting that uh, he was uh, brought back here. DJ Who Kid was out. Uh, no uh, no blow by blow accounts of anything to to share with us, and he introduces AJ Francis, who comes out and. Tells the fans to pipe down, which I would never want to encourage a TNA audience to do. <laughs> and he gets booed. They call him Dalla because I'm here to make change. Made his first million by the age of 25. All you fans are broke. And he bought time on Hard to Kill. It was like, well, somebody better advise you better because you're on the TNA Plus app right now. Mm. Where I can't imagine how many people are watching this segment. And he's going to debut his new video with DJ Who Kid, We the Outside. And the video begins, and first of all, like the audio, it just sounds horrible. Um, and I don't think by design. And then it's cut off by Joe Hendry, and uh, thankfully, uh, he comes out. And, well, I say thankfully, and <laughs> we got this. He comes out and says he has his own music video, one he made for AJ Francis. And it includes a, a shot of AJ Francis and mocking his uh, attempt to make the NFL his botched dive in WWE, which I guess has become the most definitive aspect of his career, and becoming not a TNA champion, not an X Division champion, and not a tag team champion, but the Cheese It champion, which is this custom belt he was walking around with this week. Um, I got this joke because I happened to watch this AJ Francis video this week. Okay, I, I was confused. I, I, thought I it was can't imagine how many people would not have gotten this, dude. It was a total fluke that I watched this YouTube video of him announcing that he would be at the show and he was holding this belt. Um, and then, yeah, Hendry's got a box of Cheez-Its for Francis when Who Kid nails him with the laptop and then Francis chokeslams Joe Hendry. 
this this was terrible. I'm sorry. Like I, the whole time, I, I thought like the belt was photoshopped. That's a pretty good Photoshop. That's a really it was an AI. How did they make that cheese that cheese a title? But you're telling me that's an actual. It's a real belt title. that I, I don't know what the connection is with, with him and cheese it if it's a sponsor of his or what. But I saw him carrying this belt this week, so I, I don't know. But I can't imagine most people knowing this would have any clue. Uh, it, this was all Joe Hendry has had some funny videos of this. I would not put this in in that column. I figured this was probably going to lead to a match for later on in the show, like an impromptu match, but maybe they're saving that for tomorrow. They're, they're back in Vegas tomorrow for the Snake Eyes taping. My my number one question after this was, as Top Dollar was making his attack, DJ Hook is there with his phone, just recording everything. I'm like, oh, please tell me phone? you did the same thing in Wembley. Like, <laughs> were you recording the last brawl you spoke about? Because uh, that could uh, definitely uh, garner some interest. But yeah, this was pretty bad. Like, when they first announced this, I'm like, this is definitely screams angle like that they're gonna show this music video when he started talking about how like he's just like a roach and he's hard to kill like tna i'm like this is who's gonna come out here and of course it makes sense for joe henry to come out with a with a video made for him but um yeah i guess they're gonna i would think they're gonna do at least one match coming out of this at least yeah eddie edwards and brian myers now of the system are taking on eric young and frankie kazarian the uh the, the tna originals and they recap the feud between Edwards and Kazarian. Uh, Kazarian looked really good in this match. Um, there's a mid-ring crossbody. Young and Edwards are both down, so we build up to the tag to Kazarian, and he hits his slingshot cutter to Myers. It's a two-on-one on Kazarian when he avoids the roster cut, hits the unprettier, and then Young comes off with an elbow drop. But as Young is sent out of the ring, the roster cut nails Kazarian, followed by a Boston knee party, and Myers pins Kazarian 808, and they're really pushing the system. And I think they kind of had to win this match even on a pre-show thing, but clearly tonight was about establishing the system as the new heel faction. It just, it just felt like so bizarre that we just were introduced to this group two segments ago. And now they're, they're the horsemen all of a sudden on TNA. Yeah, it's weird. Like it's like ultra push for the, for the stable, but like you just had like Eddie Edwards coming off like this honor no more like stable that broke up. And now I feel like they're kind of reforming in here. Like Moose and Myers already had like their little relationship here, but I, I hate names like this, the system, the authority, the network. Like whenever it's like something that's like kind of, you know, in kayfabe, like kind of like making fun of itself. I, I always hate names like that, but yeah, this, this like ultra stable here out of nowhere. Um, I would figure like Kazarian and Young would have gotten the win, you know, being TNA originals and kind of like, I guess Edwards is as well, but you think with them pushing Young, we forgot, we forgot to mention, um, is that later on when Young comes out for the, uh, the, the presentation? Oh. That's, that, that's on, right? coming up to start the pay-per-view. We, okay, we're, so, not, we're not going to blow that on the TNA Plus app. But the match was fine. There was one kind of scary spot where Kazarian is trying to do like his springboard leg drop and kind of like fumbled in the ropes a little bit. But he he, he caught him. There was a lot of stuff with the ropes tonight. I don't know if it was like a consistent issue that, that some performers were having because it, there seemed to be a lot of uh, like yeah, there was springboards like, and slips. Like there, there was a lot of like slips like throughout the night. The um the lower right corner actually even commentary even brought up at one point saying like it had a lot of trouble with that corner but yeah there was a lot of spots and I'm not sure if maybe like the ring setup was uh different than usual but um yeah I was a little surprised by the outcome here but then once I saw this I'm like, I guess they got you know they're pushing this system all the way through. Well, capping off the pre-show, it's the Digital Media Championship, a no disqualification match with Tommy Dreamer defending against Crazy Steve. Now I had to run out, so I I did miss the the first couple of minutes of this match. So fill in any blanks here, but what I did catch. I think was was all the stuff I needed as uh, Tommy Dreamer's hands were being tied together in the corner. And then Crazy Steve has the mysterious bag. What's in the bag? And he reveals a fork and then another fork. And it turns out the man uh, has about 10,000 forks in this bag. And he starts shoving them down the shirt of Tommy Dreamer, like inside his T-shirt and then stomps Dreamer. 
Then he pours more forks. I don't know how many forks fit into this bag on top of Dreamer's chest. And then Crazy Steve goes to the corner, yells, it's time to die, and runs at Dreamer. What does he do going into the forks? Does he do like a sit-out drop kick to kick these forks into Dreamer? No, he does a cannonball onto these forks into Dreamer and then follows with Belladonna's kiss to pin Tommy Dreamer and win the digital media title. Um, I want you to confirm this because, as I said, I missed the first few minutes of this match, but what I did see seemed not good. Yeah, the what you didn't see wasn't good either. <laughs> On his way out, they did mention that Dreamer didn't need the belt extender for his title because he actually reached his goal of dropping 40 pounds before this event, so applaud to Dreamer for doing Congratulations. that. Congratulations. But yeah, it was pretty much plunder. There was uh, one spot where he took out the trash can and there was like literal toilet paper and garbage all over the mat and Dreamer just picked it up, wiped his ass with it and then wiped it right in Steve's face. Um, but yeah, you saw the best part of it with the, uh, with the forks. You know what it reminded me of? I saw this video recently of, uh, you know, like when you're inside like those air things and you try to catch as much cash as possible. Yeah. I saw this one video of this girl that like put it all in her shirt and her whole shirt was filled. It was the smartest thing in the world. That's what I thought of when I saw this. Just Dreamer's just shirt being uh, expanded by forks here. But yeah, maybe not the smartest move from Crazy Steve, but they call him crazy for a reason, I guess. Uh, you, did, I did miss a spot where there was um the, the, the TNA towels. They brought those back to all the fans. I, had. I thought this was a very cool idea. Whoever came up with this was they obviously just handed out these yellow TNA towels to everybody. So when the pay-per-view started, everyone's like, it's like they're like rally towels. They should be handing these out at all the tapings. I thought yeah. this was such a smart idea. It looked cool on television and it gave the audience a reason to like be getting up and it added to the opening of the pay-per-view. Like it was a small thing, but I thought these like little rally towels were a really nice touch to throw in there. And Dreamer used it to choke out Steve too. So yeah, his uh, historic uh, title reign for the Digital Media Championship. I saw the birth of it here in White Plains, New York, and now I had to witness the end of it here on the pre-show to TNA Hard to Kill. Well, appropriate that this was on TNA Plus, the Digital Media Championship. Maybe it's going to be exclusive on TNA Plus. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. So now it is time to open up the pay-per-view, and our opening (laughs) video is voiced by Eric Young. Defining the words hard and kill as he wanders the Vegas Strip and that time is a construct. And then from there, we go live into the arena where Eric Young walks out and does his walk and talk into the arena where the the whole roster is surrounding him on the arena floor and says that this means everything to them. We've been slept on for the last damn time. We know our truth. We are TNA wrestling and we are hard to kill. And dude, 
he was like screaming at you. You better enjoy this show. I mean, it was like intimidating here from uh, Eric Young, who uh, you, you gave your own nickname to. Yeah, at, at this point, Brandon Harrington, um, he messaged me and said, did Triple H just show up at Impact? Because that's what I'm seeing on social media right now. And I'm like, no, Paul Levesque did not show up at Hard to Kill. But you might be thinking of this guy. And I showed him the picture of uh, Triple E, Eric Levesque here, in his yeah. best Triple H uh, cosplay here. Um, so yeah, definitely made the rounds that Triple H has showed up to TNA. But no, it was a one Eric Young. But yeah, kind of being like the, the cheerleader, the, the rah-rah here to get the, the crowd hyped up kind of weird since he just lost a match like 20 minutes prior to this. i was just amazed he did the wardrobe change so quickly i mean yeah. uh and had they had had a lot of uh dialogue here so we go into uh the first match on the pay-per-view portion and it is the second ever knockouts ultimate x match two knockouts ultimate x matches 51 total <laughs> ultimate x matches according to tom phillips here at the beginning so that's uh that's a little that's lopsided a lot. yeah Giselle Shaw, Zaya Brookside, Jody Threat, Tasha Steeles, Alicia Edwards, and Danny Luna are the six women that make up the Ultimate X. And early on, we're getting like some, some like three way spots. And I, I thought there was some really like sloppy stuff early on, including like a drop toe hold where uh, Shaw is sent into the rope. Brookside then that's, hits a high cross to the floor onto Luna and Shaw while Threat then climbs and does a swanton to the floor. Threat then climbs the, uh, the, the truss. And Edwards is holding on to her back as she climbs the truss and then just dumps Edwards down to the floor on everyone. And from there, it's Steels who hits a cutter to threat off the truss to the floor. I thought Steels looked very good in the, in the moments that she was part of this. And they tried to make Danny Luna feel like they were making the comparisons to Jordan Grace that here she was like the big, uh, like powerhouse of the six and got to showcase that with a Tower of Doom spot. Then we've got Edwards scaling the rope, but Luna would take her down. Uh, but Edwards turns that into a DDT, so Edwards gets a kendo stick. Threat then lifts up Edwards and Brookside for a double F416. And then Shaw leaps off the back. Uh, go. So the idea here was like she was going to launch herself off of, uh, I think it was uh, Danny Luna's back. Yep, yep. To, uh, or to, to spear uh, Danny Luna and tried to get the height. And it was uh, it, it was a bit of a... An ambitious spot. I, yeah, I'll and, put it that and way. the camera didn't really catch it all, so you couldn't really see. All you see is like Jody just kind of falling from the ropes and Giselle kind of falling on top of her, jumping off of Luna's back. Yeah. But I, I guess it's supposed to be like a spear off her back, but unfortunately... That was the idea. Yeah. And then we, we're down to Luna, Shaw, and Steels climbing from different corners at the same time. And Shaw uses the X as a weapon to knock Luna off and then knocks Steels off and Shaw's left alone to grab the X in 12 minutes and four seconds and we'll get a future title shot. First of all, I love how Impact or TNA now has become like the home of former NXT UK stars because you got Danny Luna, uh, Zaya Brookside, Subculture, Trent Seven. Um, they actually did announce that um, Impact or I got to get used to this now. After all these years getting used to Impact, I have to go back to TNA now. TNA announced that they did sign uh, Zaya Brookside, so she is uh, here to stay, it looks like. Um, the one thing I hate about matches like this, and I understand why they do it for the spectacle, but when you have somebody like there and they can literally climb and, and win the match while everybody's on the outside, but instead of going for the X, they decide to just jump on everybody else. I always find that dumb, but I understand it. It's wrestling. Um, yeah, a couple scary spots here, like you said, but um, I actually, you know, I, I pretty much enjoyed this match. It wasn't, I was a little surprised here. I thought they were going to go full in with the with the system and maybe give it to Alicia, but no, uh, Giselle Shaw here with the, uh, a little bit of an upset win, I feel like. Yeah, um, I, I thought there were some rough spots in this one. I thought this was like a, like below like your usual ultimate X standard. I mean, it did have some moments. I thought like Danny Luna and Tasha Steeles, especially kind of stood out to me um, in, in this one. Steeles though was kind of, I mean, she won the, 
the first, the first one. Uh, mm-hmm. knockouts one and it was sort of just like she had the big cutter spot but wasn't figured in too prominently although was there n- near the end so uh that is it with Giselle Shaw going over then we had um we go to Tom Phillips and uh and uh uh Matt- Matthew Raywalt in the private box where they're mm-hmm. set up and they're they're so far away and then they throw over to the French team and like there's no lighting for them at all. So it's like, dude, you could barely see them here. It was a terrible looking shot that they had and they they look so far away from uh, the action. But nonetheless, then we go to the back or or somewhere. I don't even know where we are. We're in like the lobby of a hotel with uh, a with AJ Francis and DJ who kid. There's like barely any audio. Yeah, you can't hear anything. Hear yeah. Half of this, like really bad. And then the audio comes on at the end. And they, they basically, I, I don't even know what the, what the gist of this was. I, I have a theory that like Top Dollar and Who Kid filmed these segments themselves and sent it in and they messed up the audio because whatever TNA tried to play had no audio whatsoever. And you could tell at the very end they were trying to like higher the volume. But yeah, all you heard was that, um, Top Dollar was talking about We Outside being a smash hit, but, uh, it, I couldn't hear the song. Aired. So yeah, it just looked really rinky dink. Dirty Dango is, uh, up next, uh, accompanied by, Oleg Prudius and Alpha Bravo. I could only imagine people tuning in for the first time in years. It's like, oh, that here's Vladimir Kozlov. Uh, so it's supposed to be Dirty Dango against PCO, but uh, Dango announces he hates TNA wrestling. And uh, PCO is wheeled out on an operating table with a sheet over top of him. And the surgeons use cables to jolt him to life. This was a fairly clever entrance. I, I, I like this. And uh, PCO then just dives through the ropes and Bravo stops a PCO salt. So PCO just takes a back bump off the top and they call it DQ at a minute 24. Can't say I was like all that um, upset about this. It's like, okay, if we're just going to do an angle, we can yeah. move this to television. But no, uh, out, uh, Dango and Bravo are stomping PCO. Prudius is about to enter when Rhino arrives, challenges Prudius, but Dango and Bravo pull him away. So that prompts Santino Morella, the director of authority to come out and makes a six-man tag match where it will be Dirty Dango, Oleg Prudius, and Alpha Bravo against PCO, Rhino, and who he waves to the ring, Jake something. So we get an impromptu six-man tag team match. Yeah, a lot going on here. Um, I will say prior to watching this show, believe it or not, I was watching the original OG Frankenstein movie, so I had that fresh in my mind when uh, he did this entrance here, so that was always cool. They were really pushing PSO. He had brand new gear here. They were mentioning how he's a, the first official signing of this new era of TNA. Um, my, my, my favorite part, though, of this early match was somebody with a sign in the crowd that said, you ain't dirty, Dango. That was that's kind of got a little chuckle out of me. But yeah, once I saw this 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 quick DQ, um and then Jay something like he started the 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 match with this crazy missile dive into the ring it was ridiculous. Yeah, something just comes it's it's like the elevated ramp that is like goes right towards the ring like the old WCW style. So he just bolts down this ramp and dives into the ring uh to start things and the bell rings. Um one thing I can say about the rebranding, it does elicit like the TNA chance that yeah, you were never going to be getting impact chance uh, at all. And that did help for, for sometimes where like the crowd, they were pretty lively at, at different points for just to make big TNA chance. We see the uh, PCO salt to the floor onto all three men and then the deanimator de- de- to dangle on the edge, which this. Dude, this because dango it, it's uh, usually it's like you landed on the chest Dude, no his, his head, head yeah. his head was like he was not far enough out so it looked like pco came right down on his head this looked totally frightening 
I <laughs> earlier today I, I I tried out this thing near me called the Stretch Lab. It's like a you get stretched out pretty much. Uh, they didn't do anything like this. I kind of kind of wish that they did do this, but this was freaking scary as hell when he fell on him. I, I legit got worried. I thought oh, they did, this reminded me of like the Carmelo Theory spot last night. Ooh, like just yep. like it was way too close to the head, and this did not look good. Uh, Dango he does continue and avoids into the void from something. PCO hits a lung blower, and then Rhino and Prudius finally have their big showdown. Rhino hits this shoulder block and the bump that Prudius takes. I was like, man, this guy is, uh, this guy's fine for like muscle in the corner, but I mean, it's, uh, pro wrestling is tough when you're over the age of 50. Yeah. There is a gore that gets stopped by Dango grabbing his hair in the corner. Then Dango sidesteps and lets Rhino gore Bravo something, then power bombs Dango onto Bravo and it ends with a PCO salt. So Bravo takes everyone's finish and gets pinned in seven minutes and 28 seconds. Yeah, this match was pretty ugly. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Prudius here. It's only his second match since joining TNA here. So I didn't expect anything from him. Um, yeah, the best spot of this match was was Jake Something's missile, diving to the ring, and uh, du- Dirty Dangle, hopefully not dying. Those, those moves are crazy. But even like the PCO moonsault that he did like before the, the restart of the match, like where he missed it, like where Bravo was trying to like, I don't know what he was trying to do. He was trying to like it, it, the time him, it seemed it was off so bad. of what they were going for. But yeah. even that thump that PCO made when he missed that that uh, moonsault was ridiculous. But yeah, this match I could have done without it. I, I, they could have just put this on the TNA tapings tomorrow, honestly. But it's one way to get some talent on the show. Yeah, I can't say the show is blowing me away by nah. by this point in in the show. And it's like you you and I usually like the, these pay per views when we get together. Let's like yeah, it's usually like like good quality um stuff. I I did feel like this point during the show like it was it was below the usual level that that they have been showcasing. But we then go to earlier in the day where a limo pulls up and a mysterious blonde woman is escorted out of the car and is entering the arena and they are teasing who is showing up. And we will get the answer later on. But before that, it is a special bonus match. Killer Kelly and Masha Slamovich, MK Ultra, defending the knockouts tag titles against the resurrected Rosemary and Havoc, who are returning from the upside down. So for those that have not been following a rosemary had converted to courtney rush and then there was the mystery dis- disappearance and now they have been uh they've been resurrected so not just pco but several coming back to life on the show well not only courtney but also havoc because she was doing her jessica with her sick gimmick and they kind of transferred over to the death dolls but now with uh with dk no no longer you know black tourus is gone and crazy steve's doing his own thing so they kind of took over the decay name and they went back to their original still using the headphones thing. though so oh, yeah. she still gets reception in in the upside down that's good to know it's good to know they got service there so the knockouts uh tag titles are on the line here and we we start things off with a Kelly early on holds down the legs of Rosemary for a double stomp by Masha, and they're working over Rosemary for a period of time. Uh, MK Ultra then prevents a double choke slam when Havoc finally gets the tag, and then hits a vertical suplex to both. Masha barely hits the snowplow, and uh, Havoc kicks out at one, and she's looking shocked that she kicked out at this. That Havoc manages to hit the double choke slam onto both Slamovich and Kelly, and then we get the assisted sky high by Havoc and Rosemary, and they win the titles in six minutes and 17 seconds. 
I was a little surprised by this, honestly. Like, first of all, I was surprised that MK Ultra wasn't even booked on this show. So I was like, okay, that's weird. But when they came out, I'm like, okay, are they going to bring in like a new team or a returning team, possibly? But when they when the decay's music hit, I'll be honest with you, John, I totally forgot they were gone for this long. I'm like, oh yeah, they did disappear uh, with like mystery, and now they're back here. But the title change on top of it, like, like really surprised me. Um, the match was fine. The one thing I can go without is is the the kick out at one spot. I, I I'm getting so tired of it. Like, I'm sorry, but like you, we don't need that with a snowplow spot from Masha and, and a Havoc here on a TNA Hard to Kill. Um, but other than that, the match was fine. But yeah, obviously taking the titles off of them, so they got bigger plans for DK, but it makes me wonder if they're going to think of keeping MK Ultra together as a team or possibly splitting them up. I'm not sure what their, their statuses are in the company, but um, yeah, I, I like them as a tag team, so I kind of w- wish they would have stayed a little bit longer as champions. Yeah, I, I like them as a team as well, and I'm never opposed to the idea that you have your your kind of alliance if you want to be in the tag division, but you can also do single stuff as well. It doesn't have to be one or the other, Um, but but both are, you know, especially Masha. I think there's a lot that they can uh, do do with Masha in either uh, division coming out of this, but they also were uh, mentioning how this match was brought to you by the mummy murders. So maybe this was a, the whole reason for DK, enough promotional dollars, they're they're back from the dead. Yeah, this one I don't think I'm going to be checking out. I check, checked out the last one, which was like a Slaughterhouse, which was a fun movie, but I think uh, The Mummy Murders might have to uh, to wait a little bit longer. This is when we go backstage to Gia Miller, who is with Steve Macklin after his win over Rich Swan. says this is his sandbox now. TNA is mine, and anyone that shows up will be another body to stack, and he's going to tag them and bag them. Yeah, I was thinking like who – like. Is there anybody in, in WWE with a with a history of of uh, with Steve Macklin? I mean, you got you know Weston Blake, who I think is a producer now in NXT. I don't think Baron Corbin's going to come over to uh what what was the name of his group? The the Lone Wolves or the the, the Forgotten the, Sons? The Forgotten Sons. But then they have another well, that was name. The team. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I don't know what the group was. Fire Frank in the chat. I'm sure he can let us know. It was like the the Lone Wolves of I don't know, some weird name. But yeah, yeah Wol- my, Wolves comes to mind. So my first thought was, are they going to bring somebody in? You know, to to feud with him? But maybe with the surprise at the end, that could be somebody that he. Can, I, uh, that's what I was thinking. Probably. Yeah. That that might be the TV match that that we get before just of him going after the the free agent signing. Scott Demore is out and then brings it. This was funny. They they introduced Scott Demore and Dorian Roldan, but they were clearly supposed to have okay. separate entrances. So I, I, that was Scott one Demore of the, comes out and he basically just waves. And Dorian yeah. just comes out to like no reaction. That's one of the flubs that I said that unfortunately Jay Chung did. And I, I didn't notice that when she's like Scott Demore and Dorian Roldan Pena, and it's like I don't think she was supposed to announce that because like you could tell Scott I mean, that Demore just had set communication. If yeah. she was just reading what was given to her, who knows? Um, but they end up coming out separately. And they go over the highlights of TNA and uh, Triple R working together. Roldan says that Lucha is going to expand and change the landscape in the next year. Thanks, TNA, for being great partners. And now they're going to make it official by signing a working agreement together. As Scott Demore says, that the fans win when politics are put aside. So, so this this whole work relationship they've had for years has been unofficial with no paperwork whatsoever. That's a little just, dangerous. Just trust me, bro. Yeah, this was a uh, hey, Kenny. Kenny can have our title, no problem. No problem. He can d- have the TNA title. He can have the uh, the mega title. They're just they're all good. And uh, fire Frank with the answer to our question: the Knights of the Lone Wolf. That was the name of the. the How group did we forget Corbin. that one? The Knights of the Lone Wolf, and that, that didn't that didn't get over stunningly. No. So now we have an official working agreement here. So this is very interesting as you have like the, the AEW that are, yeah, they're working with, with, with AAA. You've got the connection with New Japan, New Japan's with CMLL. Um, they, that comes with its own headaches as well. If you're, if you're looking at all of that, but, 
Um, this was all the, uh, the prelude for the X division championship match with Chris Saban, El Hijo del Vikingo and Kushida. And man, the crowd was buzzing for this at the start and they just get right into things. Uh, Vikingo with an inverted 450 into a Rana on Kushida in the early moments of the match. Then Kushida tries to apply the hoverboard lock to both men at the same time and they escape. There's a monkey flip on Vikingo into a Rana on Saban and then Vikingo hits a moonsault to both men on the floor while landing on his feet. And then Vikingo counters Saban by bouncing off the rope into a corkscrew roundhouse kick, and Saban is sent to the ramp, and Vikingo lands a step-up springboard 450 onto Saban on the ramp. I mean, this, this is crazy. I don't know how he didn't break his ankles. Like, did he not realize how short of a distance it is, like, from the ramp to the ring? Like, there was no give at all. Like, I don't know how he did this without hurting himself. Kushida then knocks Vikingo off the top turnbuckle, goes for the hoverboard and suplexes him with the hoverboard applied. Saban breaks that with the super kick, and then there's a hoverboard applied to Saban, but Vikingo breaks it up with the double stomp, and Saban then comes off the middle rope to deliver a Canadian destroyer to Vikingo on the ramp. Dude, this is like Chris Saban doing this. The guy who's had two torn ACLs in his career and just hit this. Um, look, look great. Crowd went nuts for it. And then Saban returns to the ring, scales to the top, and throws Kushida off the top. He's going for the cradle shock, and Kushida tries to stop it with the hoverboard lock. But Saban powers through, hitting the cradle shock in 11 minutes and 39 seconds. Uh, I don't know about you, John. This was, this was my match of the show. I thought it was excellent, and it was the uh, first... I, I thought, like, strong match on the show oh, so far. Yeah, hands down, match of the show. This is the first time where I really got into it. The crowd really got into it. Like, with that hoverboard lock into the double stomp of the king of the crowd, just kind of oohed and awed at that. That Canadian destroyer to the outside was ridiculous here. But I, even, like, that finish was really good, how Saban just kind of kept it on. And, like, you never really see that where the move is, like, broken up, but then he quickly puts it back on and hits it anyway to get the win. Um, Yeah, so I love the match. I, going into it, like, I, it was a little, like, weird, like, with the Scott Demore and, and uh, Dorian, when they came out, like, I expected, like, maybe, like, a fourth man to be, like, presented to be in this match or something. Like, for him to kind of do that, and it wasn't really an announcement. It's like, okay, we're working with Triple A, which you've been doing for years. Maybe they could have set, they could have saved up a Kingo announcement for then and maybe bring him out then and have him in the match. But it was a little underwhelming, I feel like, going into it. But the match was fantastic, hands down, the match of the show. Yeah. I mean, just when you see some of the other, like, um, matches on the on the show, like, there was some stuff where it's like, you know like hit and miss with some of the ideas they had and to see how crisp these three were. I mean, these were just three that just, they were terrific together. I really like, this would be the match I would certainly recommend on, on this so, show. If you're here. If you're. So out of this partnership, do you see them possibly doing anything different than they've been doing in the past? Like for them to kind of make a bigger deal out of this? I would imagine more talent going back and forth. I, I would think that would be at, at a, at a minimum when you have your, your, your big shows for, for triple odds, sending guys down. And I think for them to have a steady pipeline of people coming in, it becomes very interesting of like what Vikingo, like this interesting kind of piece of talent of like, you know, AEW is going to want dates on him. Impact's yeah. going to want certain dates on him. Uh, but, but his main stuff is in Mexico on, on top of it. So, yeah, I, I I don't know how much more uh, aesthetically it's going to look than what people have been accustomed to. Like you know, it's open doors between these two companies, but more more solidified. And I could imagine them coming up with like some more unique ideas to try and expand AAA's presence up here and vice versa, get their talent down on some of these bigger shows for for Triple A. Yeah. All right, we move on, and then after this match, we go to Josh Alexander and Alex Hammerstone. That was uh, built up on social media uh, with Alex Hammerstone, uh, now a free agent, coming in 
to TNA. And the match begins with Alexander going for the ankle lock early and Hammerstone breaking free. And then he just kicks at Hammerstone's knee and then hits a dragon screw. Hammerstone just launches him with this giant belly to belly across the ring. And then Alexander lifts up Hammerstone and just like drops him like a bad habit on the edge of this apron. He goes back to the ankle. I got so scared when he held him up with a fallaway slam on me. Is he going to toss him back? Like, I had no idea what he was doing, but luckily he just dropped him down, which still isn't a good thing to have happen to you. This was, like, given the size of Hammerstone, like, this was, like, fairly impressive to to watch some of this. And Alexander starts getting frustrated because he gets the ankle lock on and Hammerstone fights his way to the rope. So Hammerstone then goes toward Alexander and his knee gives out. But then he recovers like instantly and hits the nightmare pendulum, which is uh like Hiroki Goto's uh, Shotenkai. And Alexander then rolls away so that Al- uh, so that Hammerstone cannot cover him. They go to the edge of the apron, and that's where Hammerstone hits a Death Valley driver, hits a missile dropkick, and then a TKO. There's rolling forearms in response from Alexander. The last one gets blocked, and then a sit-out powerbomb uh, for a two-count. And then as Hammerstone goes for another nightmare pendulum, it's countered with a small package forearms to the neck, and then a German by Alexander setting up the C4 spike in 14 minutes and 58 seconds. I didn't know how this one was going to play out. I looked at this as, you know, typically Josh Alexander is going to be your big, strong match on a pay-per-view. And Alex Hammerstone, it was sort of like, is he going to have that level of match? I I wouldn't say this was like top tier type of Josh Alexander match, but I, I thought this by the end of the show, I thought this was one of the better matches. It was a, it was a pretty nice debut for Alex Hammerstone, who I think came in and had like a, like a very good performance here with, you know, one of the, one of the top names in, in the company. But what did you think about uh, Hammerstone and just the transition coming in here? Yeah, I, I actually highly enjoyed this match and going into it. I really expected like to be a good match. Cause like, I can understand like somebody who doesn't, isn't familiar with Hammerstone seeing this guy and be like, Oh, this guy's probably not that good of a wrestler, but I've pretty much seen like his entire MOW run and he can really impress when he's in there with guys like to the status of a Josh Alexander. So I was really impressed with this. I, I don't necessarily think this means he's going to stay in TNA. Um, I do know he's local to Las Vegas. He wrestles there a lot for future stars of wrestling. So I'm sure he's probably like a local guy that just use going into this match. Um, but I'm expecting big things from Hammerstone. Um, I was there actually at the last MLW show where he had like a speech after the show. We talked about like his struggles to try to get noticed from a big company and how MLW gave him the chance. And now that he finally got to prove himself there, people are kind of knocking on his door. So he's definitely like throwing it out there that there's offers and there's opportunities for him. Um, but this match definitely, uh, you know, upped his resume even more here. But I was really impressed with this match. And hopefully people who aren't too familiar with Hammerstone saw this and might give him a chance and check out some of his other stuff. I'd be very surprised if we don't see him uh, stick around in in TNA. It was a, it was a good showing, and I and I think with more chances to like just get, like a lot of people were if you weren't following him in MLW, like you have no kind of backstory here for him. Like this was him just pretty much coming out based on reputation and a match that was based off of a challenge. So with yep. some actual character stuff, I I think he could do very well in this company specifically. Four way match for the TNA tag titles. So this was a hit by travel issues because uh, Trent Seven was not able to make it to Vegas. So they got Laredo Kid to team with Speedball Mike Bailey uh, as ABC, Chris Bay and Ace Austin defending against Trey Miguel and Zachary Wentz of the Rascals and the debuting grizzled young vets in Zach Gibson and James Drake. And I thought, I thought in particular James Drake, but I thought both came across really well in, in this match. Um, again, coming in and it's, they're kind of coming in uh, uh, r- relatively cold based on just, you know, TNA, but nonetheless, it was, if there was one thing, 
there were a lot of bodies in this match and they were trying to tell a lot of different stories. You had the, the change with Laredo kid coming in here. It was a very busy match. I would say that was my, my, my one critique of the match. Even at one point, all eight men are in and the referee, Frank Gastineau kind of looks at all of them. He's like, yo, what are you guys doing? Like, get get to your quarters and get out of here. It was like impossible to take, like, like Jim Ross would have just had a a fit trying to, like, you could not keep track of this because it was just a like tornado style match for a lot of it. But early on, Bailey does the, uh, the rapid fire kiss kicks on Zach Gibson. And then James Drake takes out Laredo, Laredo kid on the apron. Uh, Wentz is trying to work with Drake, but then they start fighting and Laredo Kid nails uh, a satellite DDT onto Drake. We see a Michinoku driver off the turnbuckle by Laredo Kid onto Zachary Wentz. And then Day has Wentz in the torture rack and Ace Austin goes to the corner of death tonight and goes for that springboard roundhouse kick of his and he totally slips on the rope and Bay's back is towards. So he's holding him waiting for the spot. So Austin's got to just pretty much, uh, do it again, like pretty much is calling attention to this thing going going awry, but hit it on the second try. There was a doomsday device by GYV onto Wentz, but I just wrote here, no concept of who is legal at this point. Uh, Bailey hit a golden triangle to the floor, and then we see a poison Rana by Speedball Mike Bailey to James Drake off the turnbuckle. Um, I'll have to send you the clip from the Noah show today with uh, Dragon Bane hitting a poison Rana to Ninja Mac off the shoulders of his partner alpha wolf it was insane it's the craziest poison rana you're you're going to see so uh, apologies if i couldn't get a just a regular poison rana and now we've got the super poison rana so uh brayden and davy can take note yeah it's crazy to think in 2024 you have to like up your poison rana to be better than just a regular poison rana which already looks like one of the deadliest moves in wrestling history so Bailey hits the boys and Rana to Drake, then the tornado kick and an Ultima weapon is hit to Drake, but the rascals are in to make the save. Trey then leaps over the top and just gets over to hit a Rana, sending him to the floor. Chance of ABC as they square off with the rascals and the announcers are stating, this is the match the people wanted. It's like, I'm not complaining about like the talent that you have here, but th- this was a match that I think it did kind of hurt itself with like eight guys trying to, essentially do just everything under the sun here and it ends with the art of finesse and the fold onto trey miguel 14 minutes 16 seconds and abc retain the tag titles i still thought like a pretty entertaining match but it did have some issues in it as, as well yeah good match like like you said but there was way too much happening like i said the one spot with all eight of them and it it was all eight of them and the referees like tell them to get out and then ended up being four of them and the referee just gave up it's like well, you know what just fucking just just do a tornado style at this point like you would think when when trend seven couldn't make it they could have just easily made this a triple threat tag match and i think that alone would have helped it a little with having three established teams the rascals grizzle young vets and abc just adding that fourth team which is way too much here and then like the camera missed a couple spots at the end there was like a spot by Laredo Kid that totally missed that they had to show in replay uh Trey Miguel and and, and there was another spot with Trey Miguel that they missed unfortunately as well mm-hmm. um the one thing they do mention on commentary which is a recurring theme with, with Will Osprey is how a lot of these like UK based wrestlers really grew up and loved TNA they mentioned how James Drake still had his ticket stub from when UK, um, TNA toured the UK back in 2008 so they really hit you over the head about how these UK based wrestlers and it makes sense why they're bringing a lot of people from NXT UK in TNA because they really had this affinity for TNA growing up. They they were more popular there than they were here. I mean, that was a place that they there was times people were talking about like TNA should just uproot and be yeah. based out of the, the UK. This was at a time when it was not like you had all these different companies in the UK and they had they had really good television there. 
And, and you had someone in Jeremy Borash who knew the market as well. Um, they, they had a great thing going there. And it's not surprising that you have a generation of wrestlers now that, you know, TNA was probably for, if you were an aspiring wrestler at that time, you're looking at TNA as a much more likely spot than a WWE at that point in time to, to make yep. it. Gibson and, uh, Ace Austin did exchange words after. So I'm sure, I'm sure we can get some, some matches coming out of this, uh, four way as well. And, and I do hope like Gibson and Drake get some promo time, especially Gibson, um, in the TVs to follow. Yeah. They had then a, it, go in the, on the previous show. They had like, they, they've been doing these things where like they kind of walk and talk in the street. So they had a segment where they're walking and then a, a random gentleman just kind of bumps into James Drake as, uh, Zad Gibson still talking. And you see in the background, Drake just follow this guy and just beat him down while Gibson still continue with the promo. And then Drake just joins it like nothing happened. Like I love little things like that. Well, then we are introduced to the mystery woman, everyone. We just saw the back of her head, the blonde hair. It is the former Dana Brooke, now going by the name Ash by Elegance, as she is flanked by uh, George Iceman in the crowd. And I want to wait till we actually hear her speak. But mm. just what they gave me to judge and critique, yep, really screamed Tony Storm. Yeah, especially Luther. Especially with George Iceman being there, exactly. Yeah, and Ash by Elegance. I guess it's supposed to be like a take on like what like those perfume names or whatever. But even like Matthew Raywell kept calling her Ash by uh, Excellence, and like yeah, he yeah, had to have to end it there. But yeah, it, it kind of gives me the same vibes. But I, I, I'm gonna be like, yo, I'm gonna wait till she actually cuts a promo and see what kind of character. But just by the looks of it, it screams carbon copy of Tony Storm and Luther. Unfortunately, even the way she's dressed, the way she looks, the way she's just presenting herself, it, it definitely gives you vibes of a timeless Tony. I'm always open-minded about the people that have only been in the one WWE system and what they're going to do after. And there's some that you just don't see them go anywhere. Like she's here. Let's, let's see what she does, um, w- with this. Um, so that'll be interesting to see on, on the TVs, but I, I would state up until this point, if this was, uh, the, the big reveal, it would, it would have been left, um, pretty underwhelming. And then mm-hmm. maybe the other one would have been too. I don't know. We I was going to say they could have said there could be more than one blonde showing up tonight. Yeah, that, that is, that is true. They certainly had a uh, no, no, no shortage of them on this show, but it is time to go to the knockouts championship match. Trinity defending against Jordan Grace with Jordan Grace, uh, cashing in her opportunity at the title shot and the beginning part of this, like it's all Jordan Grace just dominating with her power. She hits a suicide dive and a juggernaut jackhammer on the floor and she applies a full Nelson. Trinity fights the rope. And then as Trinity kicks away while seated on the buckle, Grace just comes back, nails her with a muscle buster, but Trinity kicks out. And then Trinity, after a pin attempt, turns it into starstruck, and Grace escapes and gets hit with the rear view, kicks out of that. The crowd is starting to get more into it at this point. Trinity hits a heat seeker onto the edge of the apron, getting a two count from that, and then lands a knee strike, deadlifts into a sit-out powerbomb, and applies starstruck once again. But now Grace powers up to her feet, with Trinity still applying Starstruck and turns it into a released German, hits her with a spinning back fist and the juggernaut driver. Grace wins the title in 14 minutes and 32 seconds. They hugged afterward and we'll see if Trinity's at the tapings tomorrow, but you certainly could have read this as a, a send off for Trinity. Like that's how it came off. If Trinity said to Jordan Grace before the match, hey, listen, this is my last match. Let's go out there and beat the shit out of each other. I'll believe you because some of these moves that we're hitting on each other were crazy. The way that 
Grace was just dropping Trinity with no care whatsoever. Obviously would care, but just the way that she was viciously going at her. Uh, at one point, she hit a muscle buster and commentary says Shades of TNA legend Samoa Joe. Unfortunately, uh, AEW world champion could not show up tonight. But yeah, this match was, was really good. I mean, it's it kind of over-delivered in my, in my, in my, uh, in my eyes. I kind of figured it would be more of like just Grace kind of winning more cleanly here. Um, but she definitely had to, you know, Trinity definitely busted her ass in this match. But, um, yeah, this is a really good match, but very hard hitting. Yeah, it, it took the crowd a little bit to get into it, but I would say that they got there by kind of the, the midpoint and once they got into the near falls. And yeah, I've, I've always seen Grace as like a great talent that they have and someone you can build this division around. They've done it in the past and it's, it's a good person to go with at, at this point with all, all the women that you have in this division. Yeah. And she's kind of like a, a stable champion that can have some great matches with a variety of people. I know you mentioned earlier about like how they're kind of presenting um, Danny Luna as like another Jordan Grace, but I would love to see like a build for that match, just two powerhouses going out. They kind of teased it before; they've had a match in the past, but I would love like a nice built-up title match. It feels like Danny Luna is going to get like focus as not just like the like the third member of subculture. Like they're really going to get behind her. Like that did seem to be a focus of the Ultimate X match, so I could see that down the road being something you you build to tna is very good at that of kind of the two the two big stars that are like unbeaten and on a collision course with one another and building it up to be something of significance but if this is in fact the 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 end for trinity how would you assess what she provided for tna coming in when she did and the run that she had as short as it was I think she definitely brought a lot of eyeballs and a lot of fans to to TNA, to Impact, since she was there. A lot more people that I know weren't watching Impact on the regular gave them a chance because of a big, you know, she's a big, she was a big star in WWE. So that definitely helped out. And I think it helped her out as well, kind of going out there and kind of proving yourself that, you know, you can have these matches with, with these talents here and kind of making a name for yourself outside of WWE, which is hard to do, which is the first, like you mentioned, this when wrestlers leave WWE, it's really interesting to see how they make names for themselves. And she definitely was able to do it. She obviously kept some similar elements from WWE, but I think she did a really good job at kind of, um, you know, expanding her resume in wrestling. And I feel like she did just enough where she can show up tomorrow on WWE or in the Rumble and get a huge pop like, like nothing happened. I thought it was mutually beneficial. I thought for Trinity, when she came in, she got that great reaction in Chicago and like she came in and seemed to be really invigorated to be here. And conversely for, for impact to have someone choose to come here. I think it was kind of an endorsement of them. Like it added like a, a certain factor for TNA as well to have, you know, someone that probably has a lot of options and opted to come here. So, I mean, it was short, but I think they, it, it was a good pickup for, for both sides. I think overall. From, from a live standpoint, I will say she will be missed because of the TNA mm-hmm. shows that I went to with her on it. She was always like the one of the more popular ones there. All the kids are into it, the light sticks and everything kind of get into it. So that's definitely going to be something that they need to fill. Um, do you think they're going to go right into Jordan and Ash by elegance? Or do you feel like she's going to have to build up herself a little bit first? I would want to see her kind of slowly integrated more. I mean, here is somebody that has just gotten out of wwe it's like you've got to establish this character in my opinion and i would want to see her kind of just get her feet wet first in 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 tna like it's like that's a lot to throw at her to be like let's say for the april pay-per-view which it was interesting tonight john that we didn't get any plug for the next like traditional pay-per-view which usually they go off the air uh plugging which we would theorize would be rebellion in april yeah, I was kind of looking even on their socials. They're really just pushing this taping tomorrow. The Snake Eyes taping is really the only thing they're really pushing. I know they just announced um, Nick Nemeth, who we'll talk about in a bit, has a match for tomorrow. But yeah, nothing has really been announced for the, the, the February pay-per-view. The main event, it is Alex Shelley. And representing the system, it's Moose. 
And dude, Moose looked in incredible shape. They said he was down to 255 pounds and in the single digits of body fat percentage. Uh, dude, dude looked ripped. He had like a six pack on him. I mean, he, <laughs> I was watching this. I'm like, okay, he's just been installed as the de facto leader of a faction. He looks like he's in unbelievable shape. I was, I was expecting a title change here just based on that stuff alone. I didn't see them beating it. Like, honestly, the, the creation of the system. Like, I don't know. It, it kind of, to me, did like signal like, okay, they're, they're not beating this dude after they've just established this. And, um, there could have maybe been a more creative way to get to the system that leads to this title change, but they, uh, they unveiled them on the pre-show. Yeah. And the good thing for Moose is like the fact that we haven't seen him in a couple months, right? Because of the, the taping schedule. Like, was the last time I right. actually saw like an actual match for him? So the transformation is definitely going to hit us in the face. But yeah, I thought the same thing. It's like you can't establish this guy as a leader of a group. You bring back D'Angelo Williams and then you're going to have this guy lose. Like, no. So, um, yeah, once I saw that, I'm like, this guy's ready to be world champion. So it looks like we're, <laughs> we're going to go into that. Moose offers his hand and Shelly swats it away and then spits water in Moose's face. And then he sends Moose's shoulder into the turnbuckle and for the next 20 minutes he worked on this shoulder and oh that was the focus of Shelley's offense and listen i i'm i i enjoy like just body down like isolate the body part work it down it made total sense with the border city stretch but man some of this was long dude it was this like, this match dragged on so much at this point i was starting to clock out the, the crowd was starting to clock out I was reading stuff from other shows that were happening and I'm making a joke. Hey, maybe this guy from the New Japan show can fly over from San Jose to Las Vegas because the, the length that this match is going, he'll probably have enough time to show up at the end of it. Yeah, at this point, I'm just like, this match needs to pick up. It did pick up a little bit at the end, but overall, this match dragged so much. It's just, and it was like Shelly, like on offense for so much of it. Like he's working the arm, he applies a Kimura, Moose then takes over and Shelly stops the, the chops from Moose with a kick to the arm and then counters a powerbomb into a DDT, runs Moose's arm into the post, and hits a shell shock on the floor. He tries for the Border City stretch, but Moose rolls out of it, hits a powerbomb, Shelly kicks out. Then Moose misses the spear and runs his injured shoulder into the turnbuckle. So Shelly hits a bunch of lariats, and then a slice bread number two gets a two count. And this is when D'Angelo Williams and the system come out. And this was strange. Chris Saban yeah. and Kushida come out, and they attack Brian Myers and Eddie Edwards and take them to the back. And Ray Walt notes... Well, D'Angelo Williams is still there, and he's just standing there on the ramp by himself. And he just he turns around and leaves. Yeah. He leaves on his own volition. I wonder if he like was supposed to do something and totally missed it, because Moose even got like close to his face at one point, or uh, uh, Shelly did, and I'm just like, did, was he supposed to do something? And totally like felt like a missed spot there. It's like, uh, Moose has got this. I'm going to take off. And he did. He just, he just walked away. He left. So then they fight onto the ramp and Shelly hits like a divorce court to Moose on the edge of the ramp. I mean, there was like creative stuff with, with, with the arm. It was just, it was lengthy. They got into this big chop battle and Shelly finally gets him off his feet and the crowd is chanting TNA and it picks up here, lands a super kick. Moose blocks two shell shocks and then just runs the ropes, hits a spear out of nowhere. And that's it. Pin Shelly in 21 and a half minutes. And the system is out to congratulate Moose. And before we get to the uh, the next appearance, uh, your thoughts on the match and putting the title on Moose. 
Yeah, unfortunately, this entire match, like the build of it, obviously there was no build. It was just kind of there presented to you. The match was very slow. I would say watch maybe like the last minute or last two minutes of this match. As soon as D'Angelo Williams came out and did whatever the hell he did, um, that's when the match finally picked up. But like the ending sequence was awesome. Even like that that spear he had, like Moose is bleeding from the mouth here. Mm -hmm. Like it was definitely a hard fought uh, victory at the very end. But yeah, like the first like 15, 16 minutes of this match dragged on so much. I, I was totally distracted by other things happening. Yeah, I just think it was like a lot of the the middle. It was like again, like it all made logical sense. Like this was a fine laid out match. It was just for for Moose selling for for all that period of time as well. And it was just, it was a lot. It was a long time for the crowd, but the the ending, you know, did they they did ramp things up and and the audience did get invested in in that portion. So Moose wins the title, and with the system out, all of a sudden. Music plays and we see the name Nick Nemeth on the screen and they're all looking at the tunnel, but instead Nick Nemeth appears in the ring behind Moose, super kicks him and hits the zigzag and out to the crowd goes Nemeth and he tears off his Motley Crew shirt and I thought he was going to have to struggle. He was like uh, the first try. He was like, oh shit, this is not going, but does tear it off to reveal a TNA shirt. And that's how the show goes off the air. And the crowd went nuts for yeah, Nick course. Nemeth at the end. So you got the big, the big surprise and, uh, you know, crap, probably the biggest pop of the show, you would say for Nick Nemeth. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You can't have a TNA show, a TNA comeback show without the debut of a former big WWE star. So this was vintage TNA. Um, the one funny part was when he came out in his music hit, like they have the camera on, uh, the system, but they don't want to like zoom in too much because his name's on the screen and they want to keep it a surprise. No, so you, just, you see the camera, yeah. you see the camera just go away and then it kind of goes and you see Nick Nemeth in the ring. But yeah, John, we can't call it the zigzag anymore because he's no longer Dolph Ziggler. So can I present to you the Nick knock? Oh yes. my god. Well well Matthew Raywall just said he hit him with a super kick and it just said not he knew he knew in his head it was like we can't call him that. Although yeah. I mean they, they certainly weren't shy about giving like old like that's the former Dana Brooke. That's I the, mean you could have said Nick Nemeth. The he, this guy just showed up at Russell Kingdom. Why can't you say Nick Nemeth? People know who he is. Um, but they have, uh, they, the they have they have put up a, a, a new T-shirt for him. It just says Nick Nemeth with the same Bada Bell uh, font in the background. And they did announce he's going to have his first match uh, tomorrow at the Snake Eyes show against Zachary Wentz at all. Kind of a okay. choice, but yeah, that should, that right. should be a good match at the tapings. Well, this Snake Eyes show, the matches we have besides that, they, uh, it's Okada and the Machine Guns against. Is it all the members of the system? It's like Edwards, Myers, and Moose? Yeah. Yep. And then you've got the big rematch with uh, Will Ospreay and Josh Alexander, which is probably going to be Ospreay's last TNA match for God knows how long. Um, probably probably a long, long time until you see Ospreay in a TNA ring again, which is an interesting match in terms of how they booked that one as well. So it, it does look like a pretty – it's a pretty loaded taping when you throw in like Okada and Osprey, and now you have Nick Nemeth uh, – wrestling as well on top of yeah, that. Yeah, I so. kind of half expected because you would think that Osprey and Okada would probably be in town unless oh, wait, are they part of the New Japan show? Tonight? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so that, that makes sense why. Yeah. Okay, so obviously they'll, they'll be in town for tomorrow. But um, yeah, you, you expect them to, to stick around a little bit more be, be, besides the Las Vegas tapings? I mean, they're taping, um, I think how many shows are they taping? Two shows tomorrow, and then mm-hmm. they're back. They're taping again. I think the nineteenth and or in Florida. Later. Yeah, they're having some shows in Orlando, so that's why I was thinking maybe they can show up down there. Yeah. Um. Well, Okada's on. I think Okada's on the New Beginning show next weekend. I think. Uh, gotcha. I have to go. Uh, he was on. There were like ten million lineups that that came out, but uh, just getting back to Hard to Kill overall. Like I, I'd go thumbs in the middle on this show. I was. 
I'll be honest, like I, I was a little underwhelmed g- given like the buzz that they had going in. I would certainly recommend the the three way X division match. That was my clear match of the show. That would be the one I would definitely recommend seeing. Um, Josh Josh Alexander and Alex Hammerstone over delivered for what I was expecting going yeah. in, going into that one. Um, those those would be some of the matches. Not knockouts match had like you know fine work to it, but it was. Um, yeah, it was a mixed show for me, and especially the beginning part, like the first third of this show, I, I thought was pretty skippable, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's a very, very tough show to book because you announced this months ago, right? There's no like new product to build up these matches. They're kind of just like cold matches announced to it. You can't really rely on the nostalgia factor too much because you just did that with TNA 1000. So it's like, it's kind of hard. Like, how do you present this show? You know, you don't want to change things too much because Impact had a pretty good thing going. So they tweaked a couple things, obviously, and they they kept the name TNA. But I think this is pretty much just Impact. Like the commentary team stayed the same. There was no real drastic changes uh, other than Jade replacing Dave Penzer. There really isn't too much of a Mm -hmm. change from like a from a commentary standpoint um but yeah i i enjoyed the show for the most part i would start with the activation match and just kind of work your way down after that anything prior to that you definitely don't have to watch but um yeah match of the show x division three-way um pleasantly surprised by hammerstone and alexander tag match could have been better with less people um knockouts match was good main event was okay but obviously the big surprise but um yeah nick nemeth so do you see him possibly be having a bigger role in this company now well, it seems like he, I, I'd be very curious, like if this guy is just not wanting to sign contracts anywhere, like he's going to Puerto Rico th- this coming yeah. weekend, he's doing New Japan, he's doing TNA, like it seems like, uh, and they just did an angle last night, he's obviously going to be doing a GCW match yeah. with Matt Cardona, Cardona so yeah. it's, it sounds like he just wants to be going every anywhere and everywhere, and you know, t- will TNA sort of be home base for him, or just one of a dozen places that he's going to do dates with i feel like nemeth and mustafa ali are going to be like the speedball mike bailey's of this wrestlemania season like i feel like they're going to be on all these cards and it's funny because tna just announced shows in philadelphia but it's like a week or two before mania so that they're not gonna as far as i know they haven't announced anything for mania weekend but you would think they'd do some sort of multiverse show now that they have you know triple a maybe they're waiting for that announcement to be made so maybe they could do something mania weekend um but yeah i, I expect them to not sign anywhere and just kind of be everywhere but uh, yeah some interesting matchups you could do here in uh in tna for sure well we, before we wrap up uh if you want to pull up the uh the feedback thread john we will uh, go through we have a few yeah. pieces here we'll start off with a manny from pacoima very solid pay-per-view we had some great matches starting from the x division match onward it's great to see vikingo adding more moves to his repertoire like the submission movie used on Kushida and sammy's gth Hammerstone and Alexander was as great as I expected it to be. Both competitors delivered. MK Ultra was robbed. Demore delivered when he said he had the biggest signing in TNA because that man signed an entire promotion in Triple A. Give me Aris versus anyone on that roster. Wow. Yeah, he signed Triple A. That was the, the the big sign. You'll never know who's coming. An entire promotion. He got a whole <laughs> company and he got uh, D- D'Angelo Williams. We go to Robbie from London, Ontario. For the first time years tonight, all the boys... For the first time years, for the first time in years tonight, all the boys came over to watch a show together. And it seems from three casuals and me as a diehard, the show tonight captured them. They all said they'd be excited to come back for the next one. And I think I even talked to them attending sacrifice in March. But from this diehard Grace show, besides the dirty dangle match, the whole show was a lot of fun. Alexander and Hammerstone tore it up. Glad to see the title changes. And with both the Triple A partnership signing and Nick Nemeth, I feel, at least for me, that works for a big signing announcement. Hope to hear you guys back for No Surrender next month. So from the TNA fans, it looks like they were surprised. I mean, they were they accepted the, the surprise, I guess, in, uh, ne- in Nemeth. Listen, what, one thing that this show did have going for it that 
I mean, you, you can talk about like, uh, I thought they did a decent job at this with Impact 1000, but you wouldn't have wanted this show to be a looking backwards. Yeah. This was all about forward and are you going to come back? And they did throw out a lot of stuff. Like, I think you're, you're intrigued by more Lucha on the show. If you're intrigued by Nick Nemeth, if you're intrigued by, um, a bunch of title changes that they did in different directions that they're going to go in. Like they certainly threw out a lot that hopefully enough people want to see the follow-up to. And uh, Robbie certainly anecdotally would suggest that that, that worked. Yeah. And uh, last one is from Muggin. Solid show with the X division title match being the big standout to kick off the TNA triple odd joint venture. Trinity did the honors on her way out. Uh, said that she's sticking around. Is she advertised for the tapings tomorrow? Um, she might be like on the graphics for it, but there's no match announcement so far. But I do know for all the shows going forward, she's off the graphics. Okay, so we'll see. It's uh, maybe we'll get her at the tapings, maybe not. We will, we will see. Alexander and Hammerstone was a dope Haas fight, and the debut of Nick Nemeth after Moose's title win softened the blow from an LOL TNA ending. All right, there you go from uh, from Muggin as well. So there you go. Um, seemed to be a show that overall I think people were intrigued to see and and came away with it with uh, at least a. a a curiosity for for impact so we will see how they will follow it up with uh with new television now and uh just quickly looking at the upcoming impact schedule as they are going to be back next month with no surrender is the uh is, is the no surrender yep in, in uh, new orleans louisiana on february 23rd all right so that is that's a friday night isn't it yes that's um, yep that's the weekend uh, WWE's in Australia, I believe. So mm. they have no, no surrender next month on February 23rd. And then they're going. Uh, it's interesting that they announced this week they're going to go to Philadelphia, but two weeks before WrestleMania week. Yeah, it's weird. They do do that. All they know is that next time TNA has a big pay-per-view, you're guaranteed to get uh, AEW do a Battle of the Belts show because they always do those shows whenever it's a big TNA pay-per-view. God, so they're doing no surrender and then they're doing their sacrifice show two weeks later. Hmm. That's, that's a very in, quick turnaround. In Windsor, yeah. Hmm. So anyway, we will see. Uh, and I assume their next traditional pay per view will be sometime in April, if yep. if their past calendar is uh, going to be followed. Uh, but John, I want to thank you very much. I know there's a lot of wrestling uh, to get to. I guess Osprey and Okada maybe are getting in the ring shortly. So that is coming up. If you want to go check out all of the coverage this weekend, we've got Collision Course, which is going on as we speak with Kate from Montreal and Wei Ting on Sunday on the cafe at postwrestlingcafe.com. Bruce Lord and Karen Peterson will have a full rundown of Battle in the Valley, who showed up, what videos aired, and what matches have been announced for the future uh, coming out of Battle in the Valley. We will not uh, spoil it for anyone here. Plus, up on the site, great work tonight from Andrew Thompson, Neil Flanagan, and Jack Winon covering the UFC the TNA pay-per-view and battle in the Valley. So it has been a crazy, crazy weekend, but uh, tons of coverage up at postwrestling.com. And finally, where can we hear more of John Cena? Check out all my thoughts, uh, twitter.com or x.com slash Cena evil, C-N-O-E-V-I-L. Every Thursday on the Poison Rana podcast, a new episode of Shot in the Dark. So I'll be talking about Shot in the Dark this week. Talk about the new TNA. So uh, it looks like they're hopefully going to these new uh, tapings this upcoming Thursday. So I'll be able to talk about that and let you know all the, yeah, we're going to see Okada on, on TNA TV again. That's going to be a very interesting uh, thing to watch, but it's happening, guys, and I'll be there to talk about it. And maybe you will get to see what I am predicting is going to be the craziest cage match rating ever on Monday night when it comes in. I don't. I was just talking to Brandon Thurston about this. Uh, yeah, Jinder Mahal and uh, <laughs> Steph It's Robert, going to yeah. be the most focused upon cage match rating in history. That's my prediction. 
whenever these matches happen, I swear, I, I, I wish that they go under five minutes. That way people can't actually rate them because they have to be five minutes or longer to rate them. But yeah, with that and the Hook Samoa Joe match, it should be some interesting uh, ratings in the next couple of days. All right. Well, thanks so much, John, for joining me. Uh, to be determined on No Surrender next month, but we will uh, we, we will try and uh, be, be back for that one because I, uh, I do expect some like added interest in TNA coming out of this show and people that maybe are going to reacclimate themselves with the new TNA because we're effing back. All right. That's it for us. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Goodbye.